You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1. We're going to read the verses 18 to 31. For the message of the cross, writes the Apostle Paul, is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, that him who boasts, boasts. In the Lord. And then we also turn to Lord's Day 6, question and answer 18. I mentioned last Sunday that in dealing with Lord's Day 6, I was saving this particular question and answer for this morning. So let's turn to it now. But who is that mediator who at the same time is true God and a true and righteous man? Our Lord Jesus Christ, whom God made our wisdom our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And, of course, you find those words in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, your visa statement arrived last week. And what did it say? It said that you were thousands of dollars in debt. Your car breaks down, and it will take thousands of dollars to fix it. And by the way, it's not the only thing that went broke last week. There was the wash machine, the vacuum cleaner, and the fridge as well. More debt. And indeed, the end of the month comes along. You take your paycheck in one hand, and you take all of your bills in the other hand. And the result... Well, nothing balances. You're in serious financial problems. You're poorer, they say, than a church mouse. Or are you? 
Do you realize that it's possible to be dirt poor on the one hand and filthy rich on the other? Perhaps you think that a contradiction or an impossibility. But it is not so. For rather, look very closely at Lord's Day 6 that we've read together. Question and answer 8. Who is that mediator who is at the same time true God and a true and righteous man? And the answer, our Lord Jesus Christ, whom God made our wisdom, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Now you look at that and you ask yourself, well, what does all of this have to do with riches? Well, did you not hear it? Did you perhaps miss that all-important word in this particular answer? That one word, our? For what really it is saying is that the wisdom, the righteousness, the sanctification, and the redemption of Christ belong to us. They're ours. We may lay claim to them. And indeed, this morning, we're going to celebrate the supper of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what is that? Of course, you say it's a matter of eating and drinking, but really it's a matter of a spiritual meal. But you know something else as well. It's meant as that special way of reminding us of just how rich, how affluent, how abundantly prosperous we have become in Christ Jesus our Lord. Last Sunday we dealt with the first part of Lord's Day 6 and we, we heard something about the wonder of our mediator. This Sunday I, I want to impress upon you just how great and glorious it is to be in this Christ and in this mediator. And in that connection, I say to you, it's possibly to be financially poor and strapped. But at the same time, to be unimaginably rich, rich in Christ. And let's spend just a few moments looking at the nature of those riches. First of all, you can see from our text, there is wisdom. Paul wrote the words of answer 18 originally to the believers in Corinth. And, and as you can see from everything that precedes verse 30 of 1 Corinthians 1, the matter of wisdom is very much under discussion. And as a matter of fact, among the Greeks, wisdom was always under discussion. It represented, as Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, used to say, consummate knowledge. And so they debated it endlessly, they dissected it daily, they, they wrote about it voluminously. Wisdom was an obsession with the Greeks, also the Corinthian Greeks, but that they have it, that they know what it really was. As a matter of fact, what exactly is wisdom? Well, you may know wisdom has many different definitions, and perhaps the best one is also the simplest one, which is that wisdom is knowledge rightly or correctly applied. 
And as such, it's not just about knowing a lot of things, neither is it about being some sort of hands-on kind of person, but rather you can say there is a sense in which it is both. Knowledge plus right application equal wisdom. So did the Greeks have it? Paul says no. Actually, actually, the Apostle Paul says their wisdom is only foolishness. And why is it foolishness? Because he says their knowledge, their wisdom excludes God. It excludes the word of God. It excludes the will of God. God's way of salvation. And more than anything else, it excludes Christ and what he has done. And so you see, there's this huge gaping hole in their wisdom. And indeed, the Apostle Paul implies that you can never really be truly wise if you exclude Christ Jesus in your life. Your name may be Einstein, but if it doesn't know Christ, it's not wise. It's not truly wise. But on the other hand, how different that is for the true believer. Paul says to the Corinthians, and he also says to us today, you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. And notice the words for us. Once we were ignorant, blind, superstitious, and in darkness, but now we are in the light. God has given us wisdom. We're able to know and to see and to understand. In Christ alone and through Christ alone, we have become wise, divinely, truly wise. But that, beloved, is only for starters. For look, the Apostle Paul adds more. He also says there is righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, and And now these are not exactly popular words. You seldom read about them in your newspaper or hear them on your television screens. But nevertheless, they're rich, they're loaded, they're full biblical words, and and they represent even more riches to us who believe. Take that word righteousness. Christ is our righteousness. That's a legal, biblical expression. It has to do with the courts, with you and my legal standing. And what exactly is that? Well, you can say that by nature and origin, our legal standing is is utterly dismal. Before our forefather Adam fell and we fell in him, our standing was good, but then he just had to stage his great revolt against God and and what happened to us and happened to him as well. We became violators of God's law. In word and deed and thought, we went against God's will. We incurred his wrath. And earned his just sentence of death. We became debtors to the law. 
Yes, and our condition would have remained that way had not Christ Jesus come into the world. God, who is righteousness, sent the Son of His righteousness into the world. And He has secured a new righteous standing for all those who believe in Him. And through faith in Him, we are no longer debtors to the law. But we become doers of the law. In a way, it's like getting a whole new wardrobe. The old one is worn, threadbare, and dirty. But then someone comes along and gives you a whole new, expensive, exquisite wardrobe. At last, we are right with God. But then, beloved, if Christ secures our righteousness, he also obtains something else, namely our holiness. And that, too, is something that we lost long ago. We lost our ability to live life as God meant for it to be lived. Impurity, wholesomeness, goodness, and excellence. Man ended up in the gutter preferring filth, uncleanness, smut, crude talk, and immoral conduct. And mankind still does. The proof is in the movies, in the television programming, in the books that are being written, in the kind of lives that people are living today. Holiness as a way of life is so far away. And yet also here our God has a remedy. And that remedy is Jesus Christ. For what does, for what he does, is something miraculous. It's something that he does for all of those who love him. He becomes, Paul says, our, our holiness. He becomes the one who lives a perfectly holy life. The ones who sends the spirit of holiness. The one who becomes the worker of holiness in the lives of his children. Indeed, what God does in Jesus Christ is set apart for himself a people. A people whom he makes holy. You catch a glimpse of that in the Old Testament when God sets apart the sons of Aaron and the Levites. You catch another glimpse of that when God deals with defilement in the pages of the Old Testament as well. But then you see it happening in Christ and it becomes so much more emphatic and real and pronounced. Christ is the Holy One of God. And he creates for God a holy people. Or as Peter calls them, a holy priesthood. And so, beloved, in Christ alone and through Christ alone, we not only become wise people and right people, we also become a holy people. Yes, and that in turn sets the stage for one more benefit. It's called redemption. And it's one of the greatest biblical words. Actually, though, it's a word that's connected to slavery. If the fall into sin made us dumb, crooked, and impure, 
It also made us slaves, slaves of sin and slaves of Satan. And now, how do you get out of that dire kind of situation? How do you get out of slavery? In ancient times, there were very few ways. The most common way was simply to die. If you died, then, of course, your slavery could no longer hold you. In addition, there was another better way, but... That was if someone would buy you and then set you free. But you know, that hardly ever happened. You might be brought to the slave market and you might be sold and auctioned off and you might be transferred from the ownership of one owner to another owner and maybe the next owner was a little nicer and kinder and more considerate. But that was probably it. In the end, you were still enslaved. And rare, if not considered mad, was the man who would actually go to the slave market, purchase slaves, and then set them free. But that's what our God did. He sent his son into this world to pay a great ransom in order to set his people free. On the cross, he paid the price. Under the curse, he paid the price. In utter shame, he paid the price. Yes, and who of us, who of us can fathom that? That you would send your son, perhaps, to rescue some noble, handsome, upright, intelligent, Worthy kind of race. Well, such a thing is perhaps a little bit imaginable. But to send him into the world for a bunch of rebels and crooks and nobodies and perverts and enemies. Who in the world is that? Well, our God did that. He did it in his son. And he did it for us. And the result, says the gospel, is that our sins are forgiven. And we enter into a whole new relationship with God. And we receive a new life from God. A new standing before God. A new future from God. And so it is that in Christ alone and through Christ alone, we become wise... We become righteous, we become holy, and we become the redeemed. And that, all of that, beloved, makes you and I rich. Rich beyond compare. Rich beyond our wildest dreams. Rich no matter what the state of our pocketbooks may be at the end of the month. And so truly, beloved, as we eat and drink from the cup, together we need to take to heart what it says here in answer 18 of Lord's Day 6. Praise God that he sent us such a mediator who is true God. And at the same time, a true and righteous man. 
and praise Him for making us the richest people, the most affluent people, the most prosperous people, spiritually speaking, in all the world. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.